Welcome back to Back in My Play. My name is Kevin Larby. It's been a while since we've last recorded and released an episode, and um, it's literally a different world since the last time an episode came out. And um, of course, with everything going on, I thought we could use a little bit of, of fun and just hanging out and uh, kind of maybe detaching ourselves from reality and talking about things that we love to talk about and uh, what better person to get on the show again. I think you're the last person I had on the show as well. Uh, <laughs> Mike Micah. Mike, how are you? I'm doing great. You know, I'm just working my way towards co-host status. <laughs> <laughs> I, it, it is, it's one of those things where, I mean, it just might be what happens is, you know, we record one of these every six months, but I, I do have, I think we do have some momentum. There are some plans uh to get some some episodes produced uh, in rather short order, but I'm going to hold on to them uh, to make sure that we spread them out. And again, it's like one of those things where, yeah, we have an audience that's like really, really in love with the show. And um, I, I swear to God, I even like two days ago, I got an email from someone that um, English is their second language and they just listened to episode number 10. I should probably pull up this email real quick. Um, so they're going all the way back to episode number 10. And they, I guess this is the episode that specifically covered Super Mario 64 and also uh, Wave Race 64. For some reason, we covered both those at the same time. But in that episode, which would have been um, recorded uh, a long, long time ago, somehow, I guess I predicted the Nintendo Switch um, like to very... Oh, that's amazing. Like specific detail. Um, and I was going to see, I probably should have uh, pulled this up before we started recording. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if I have it in front of me right now. Uh, I'll see if I can find it while we get going and then I'll bring it up. But anyways, yeah. my, my point is, yeah, the thing that's great about this show is that you can always go back. You can listen to old episodes and it's still like a new show because it's not really about relevant, uh, or recent or, or necessarily relevant topics to the time. But now this is great. I found it. Okay. And the procrastinating there for a second. So uh, I started listening to your podcast last week, looking for English podcasts to learn more about your language. I speak Portuguese, by the way. Uh, and today I got at episode 10. Man, I'm astonished. You were talking about Nintendo Switch in 2013 at minute 110. So I guess you guys can go back and reference if you want. Uh, you guys explained <laughs> the Switch concept. Congratulations. You saw the future. So uh, appreciate that email. And you got a lot of episodes to go through. So, Mike, with That's all awesome. that has been going on, um, you know, I, I think it would be crazy to not start with, um, you know, how, how are you guys doing, especially with like Digital Eclipse, Other Ocean? You guys have a lot of things going on. Of course, Samurai Showdown Collection, um, which has been received incredibly well. We're going to definitely talk about the history of, of kind of that project and Sam show five special, uh, and just how you guys got all this stuff done. But, um, as a game developer, how has this whole shutdown and you're in California where you've kind of had potentially the ability to open up and then shut back down. Um, how has this affected you as, as a game developer and as a, as a company? You know, um, probably unlike a lot of other industries, we were probably best equipped to handle this. Uh, I mean, we're working on machines all day. We're sitting at a, at a desk, and even if I think about it, I was just the other day, I was remembering what it was like to be in the office. And I'm like, all we did really was sit at our desk and talk to each other over Slack in the office. Like we didn't even really get up very often to go talk to each other. We just sat at our, at our desk. So it's like, no matter where we are, we're almost operating the same way. 
but uh but there's there's a few few people who are you know they're younger um they're they're by themselves in like you know a small apartment because out here it's really expensive to get anything other than like a closet to live in right and so they're the ones that are getting hit the most with this and so we're just trying to do everything we can to make sure that they're still comfortable that they feel you know like they're not going insane and that sort of thing but otherwise like it's business as usual and in fact in some cases we've been a bit more productive and in and definitely in in one case just the game industry itself has been a lot more um resilient to this and the um our sales on all our software and uh opportunities that are, are coming through the door right now are just insane this is a moment that um you know i, I look at I'm, I'm i feel very fortunate that i'm doing what i do because one uh it, it's you know what i love to do but two uh, in a pandemic it's not about like the money it's not about any of this stuff it's about like can you keep people sane and happy and everything through something like this and it seems like a lot of people are going to video games to try to get that and it's our job really to like you know supply that demand and that's that's been phenomenal and it's like really we've been kind of taking it as like a a thing for us to like kind of take seriously as like okay what can we do that's going to be like helpful in this situation for everybody like what what are what what's the strategic goals for us what are the things that we should be doing like let's focus on a lot more online multiplayer stuff let's focus on all these different things that can kind of work really well with what's going on in the world right now yeah, it seems like this is the perfect time to be playing video games. If you have to be indoors, I, I, I think it's it's really tough right now for folks to even go out and buy. You can, like it's hard to get a Nintendo Switch. It's hard to get a, a PlayStation Four, um, and even things like uh, you know, I think it was the the fitness adventure game for the Nintendo switch was incredibly hard for folks to find as well, because they're just like looking for ways to, you know, stay active, but stay indoors. Um, it's, it's been really, really interesting to see because you would think like, man, folks may, might be out of work. They, they, they can't afford things right now. They're going to be very conscious of, of where they're spending their money. But, um, Instead, it's actually been like a lot of companies are having record sales uh, and, and seeing these these games that are, are launching and uh, seeing, again, like I think Last of Us 2 just sold like, you know, 4 million copies like yeah. instantly, um, which is which is nuts. Um, but, you know, folks need things to do and uh, video games are uh, an alternative to watching The Office on Netflix for the 50th time. Or you look at something like Animal Crossing that came at the exact moment when oh it needed God. to happen, yeah. right? It's like, I remember criticism of that game being like, if I wanted to do things that I just do in real life, I wouldn't, like, right. I don't need to play Animal Crossing. But now, like, people are like, I want to do those things I used to do in real life, and I can do that in Animal Crossing. <laughs> yeah, I, I, some, I somehow still was able to resist the Animal Crossing uh, whole, but, you know, for, for me, it's been um, a lot of, you know, that's how I've been staying in touch with people. And I think it has been for a lot of folks, like, you know, my best friend, Adam, he's down in Florida of all places right now. And we've been playing NBA 2K20 a lot. It's uh, awesome. And it's really just because, you know, yeah, it's fun to play against each other, but mostly it's just so we can talk with folks and, um, you know, just catch up and see how each other, you know, see how we're doing. Um, and now it, it, it seems you know, you think it would be the worst time to potentially launch a new video game console, but I bet, you know, it's really tough to get all that stuff together from, for those companies, uh, from a hardware standpoint, but I'm, I'm sure as soon as these new games are out, folks are going to be wanting something to do because we could potentially see and not to get into 
I'm not an expert. We're not experts on this stuff, no. but you know, potential theories of a second wave in the winter where uh, we might have to buckle down again. So um, yeah. it could be. I think Sony even like even doubled their order of PlayStation fives for one reason potentially that it could be just a huge seller, but also second, those factories might get shut down again. So they're just ordering a ton of them uh, just in case. So it's just a really weird time, and I, and I'm sure it is for everyone out there listening as well. Yeah. So with that being said, uh, and I think we had to do that, we had to have that, you know, chat to, to kind of get things <laughs> going. Um, for the rest of the episode, we're going to be hitting on a bunch of different retro game and, and just game subjects in general. Uh, I have a lot of pent up uh, video game discussion and you know, again, Mike, you're a great person to talk about a lot of this stuff because you have great perspectives from a historical standpoint, from a development standpoint. Um, but before we get into uh, all these crazy topics, I, I need to ask you, like, you know, what what have you been booting up lately? What have you been playing to kind of, I guess, you know, pass the uh, time and to, you know, stay sane right now? You know, like I, um, I, I play a lot of like modern games. I, I have the Xbox One. I got the PlayStation Four, and I downloaded uh, a whole bunch of new software when I got a new PC. Because as soon as the pandemic hit, I knew I had to like really beef up my home PC, and I haven't bought a home desktop in probably fifteen years. Wow! So I bought like a really high end system with like a twenty eighty Ti in it, and oh, I yeah. just want to make sure I can like do all this really cool <laughs> stuff because I got to do development at home now too. So I have to have something beefy. And Great so point. I went and got that, and I started downloading everything that supported RTX. And so I started playing Control. I started playing Call of Duty Warzone. Nice. <laughs> I, I'm like, I got to get into this. I like everybody's playing it. I got to see what it's all about because like now I can with a machine that can do it. How do and you I also feel about RTX? Do you feel like I mean that's a big selling point for PS5 and for Series X? Do you, do you feel like that will be something? Like I, I know you have to kind of see it to really yeah. you know it's like the whole hdr thing in 4k like it's easy to just say this is going to make things better but um as as you know not a developer but just as someone that likes to play video games does it actually it has it like kind of knocked your socks off is it worth that 2080 ti you know i i think it is but i'm also very cautious because i've seen this before like there's people who are like, I have to have a 240 megahertz display and run games at 240 frames a second. But the average person, and maybe a little bit more than average, like it's really just a small amount of people who can really notice the difference between 60 frames and 240, or right. care to notice the difference is probably the better way to put it. Um, same with like RTX. It, it's amazing. I look at it and I say like, holy crap, it's doing so much. But then I could show somebody else who has no idea what, what it is. They don't see a difference between what that's doing and what games have been doing in the last generation because they're not so in tune with those details or understand what's actually doing the work and what isn't. Right. And so, um, but to me, I look at it and I, I'm blown away. I was very skeptical about ray tracing over the last couple of years about like how powerful and how much you know, power it was needed to, to deliver the kind of visuals and stuff that, um, that people would expect from that. But when you see it in action, when you realize the dynamics, I think that's really what people are going to have to see going into this next generation is how dynamic the experience is versus the pre-baked experience we've been used to. So a lot of times when you're going into like a, a game like say Call of Duty, it's not gonna like you're in a night mission, it's not gonna become day if you wait around. Mm -hmm. Um and and if it tried to, it wouldn't look as good as it does because they focus on a moment in time and they bake in shadows and they do crazy things with lights and reflections because it's very controlled. Exactly. But now with ray tracing, you get to do that in real time and it looks that good if not better. Uh but I think that's lost on people if new games don't use it to that effect. And so 
to me, that's all really cool. I'm really excited because from the technical side, that's awesome. But then on the other side of it is like, what does this technology give us that we're not thinking about? What what can uh, millions of rays do uh, to affect how uh, a single pixel could apply physics to itself or these sorts of things that like that can also generate stuff we haven't seen before. And I'm, I'm really thrilled to explore that. Like, what does this technology do that you're not expecting? Sure, lighting, reflection, all that stuff. But what else can we use, like, ray collision for? And all this other kind of stuff that um, would give, like, old concepts or uh, things that we've always anticipated wanting to be able to do in games but never thought possible. There's things that this stuff gives us to probably go in that direction and, and explore and experiment with. Yeah, in... You know, I, I still have been following like you know everything from from Sony and from Microsoft, and again, it seems like the two big things that they've been talking about from a performance and graphical standpoint has been RTX, excuse me, the, uh, ray tracing, and also having just super fast storage devices that allow you to do things that weren't able to be done in previous generations, uh, whether it be just not having to, you know, get in the elevator and go to the next area or have to do the really slow plotting walk and talk, uh, in something like gears of war. Um, it, it seems like those are the two big things, but maybe the only, we haven't really seen a lot of those games yet. I think the big thing that we have seen, uh, we saw so far has been ratchet and clank yep. was that, you know, jumping between realities that, blew my mind that was yep. incredible and I, I think that's still and there was a game that microsoft showed at their event um where you're kind of split between two realities there's a woman jumping yep. back between two worlds and again if you can basically like the best analogy i have is when like uh the halo uh combat evolved remastered version came out or i think it was the halo anniversary uh collection or whatever it was called uh, where you could literally just hit select and have old graphics, new graphics, but this is just like completely two different layers of graphics or two different worlds at the same time. Um, it, that that seems to be what the big selling point is. Of course, just getting bigger and better games, which are also fun. Yeah, I mean, you're you're tapping into exactly what I think next generation really can give us, but it's been hard for people to really demonstrate because we've been tricking people for so long into thinking it sort of does that. But you're you're hitting the two games in particular that I think give you a glimpse of what you can do because we have so much horsepower now, like the processing is ridiculous and then so much Ram and then what the graphical capabilities, it's like, we're going to see things like that. Like it isn't just two skins. Like you were saying, like in halo, we have two worlds that are overlaid on top of each other with their own kind of like processing going on for objects in each and each of those worlds. So you're effectively running two games simultaneously that are linked to one single character walking through the worlds. And that's really cool. And then Ratchet and Clank being able to just jump through multiple worlds that are doing that, like in the middle of them existing and then jump out of them and then be able to come back. That stuff is crazy. And that's just like the tip of the iceberg. I think we'll see with this stuff. And SSD is, man, that's a huge add to these systems. Cause like, I think a lot of the reason I really like playing old games is because I don't have load times. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love to be able to just jump around like, Anything, even Goldeneye being able to go into a multiplayer map and it's just so fast to get in there. It just boosts. And like, it goes. Yeah, it just boosts. You go like click, 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 click. And it was almost like you knew the four button press without even looking at the screen. You're in another game. And you can't do that on modern consoles right now. But this next generation, that's going to be back. And that's going to be amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing, you know, I mean, it's it's still a couple months away. I, I know folks are, are starting to think about, you know, how much these consoles are going to cost and all that stuff. And it's, and it's tough to sell this stuff where, you know, I, I was thinking back to, I really want to do um, an episode looking back on the launch of the Xbox 360 because that was like, that was major. It was just that yeah. huge jump to 
HD graphics, which you can see. You can see it in a screenshot. You can see it in a video if you can get an HD version of it uh, online on a fast connection. Um, and you can see that immediate difference that that jump has, even in something like Call of Duty 2 on Xbox 360, even to a certain extent on a, uh, a Cameo or, or even Perfect Dark Zero, which might have not been the most visually impressive games like looking back. But there was a level of, of just graphic fidelity that was a huge leap over what we were getting on the previous console generation, especially compared to like a PlayStation uh, 2 or GameCube and stuff like that, which um, I think folks are maybe still waiting for the, the you know a good handful of games to see it where I think the game that I'm most looking forward to is the new Halo game, even though I know folks are picking apart the visuals of that on again, I've I'm hearing all this stuff like second hand because most of my news now comes through podcasts when I'm like running yeah. around and in the car. Um, but when I looked at that, I'm like, this looks awesome. I can't wait to play more Halo. That's all I want is just give me the thing that I know I like. I like a good cheese pizza. Give me the cheese pizza from the place that I always get it at. And if you can give it to me and get it to me when it's hot and ready, uh, I will be, I'll be a happy person. But, um, these guys still got some time, and it, it sounds like from what you were talking about, mostly I would have to guess the development of these games should go relatively smoothly, even though not everyone can be in the office. But maybe it's a little bit crazier if it's like an Assassin's Creed with twelve hundred people working on it. Yeah, I think the I think coordinating that team size is is pretty challenging, especially you know now. But I, I was in the same boat on Halo. I saw Halo. And I'm like, yes, Let's it's go. back to like yeah. Halo. It's the Halo I want and everything like that. And it wasn't until I started reading comments afterwards where I'm like, oh, I guess I shouldn't have liked that. Mike, they're on a Halo. <laughs> they're, on, they're on a Halo. Yeah. You're 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 fighting the Covenant. You got the brutes back. And you know, like again, it's like one of those things where I wanted to almost like yell at the internet. And it's like, you, you guys, they're not going to show you all the other stuff. Like they're going to have different enemy types in there and stuff. They still have those, those the Prometheans, I think that yeah. um, that are you're going to be fighting and all that stuff that happened with Cortana at the end. And I'm a Halo Five and Four apologist. I like really. Yep. I think four is a great campaign. I think five is an incredibly underrated campaign. Whether you like jumping back and forth between multiple characters, that's uh, another thing. But all you really need is like it's like comfort food, and yeah. it's you, you, I you can use the example of like maybe the new Super Mario Brothers games are not a great example. I know those have had some diminishing returns, but like you kind of know what you're gonna get, and if you can deliver that to me, and the controls are tight, and the graphics are good, you know the music's gonna be solid. They got great composers on this game. Uh, even one of the Ori develop uh, composers is, is jumping in and, and and doing some music for um, Halo Infinite. Like all you gotta do is. You know, like they played the piano thing. They played the piano yeah. thing from Halo Three, and it's like, all right, I'm go. Let's go. I'm on board. Yeah. Um. And now I'm fired up. But I know, I think maybe people have more time than ever to be on message boards and on Twitter to pick things apart, which is okay. Like, it's better than you know other things you could be doing with your time. Yeah. So, um, you you built a PC. Have you been? Have you gone down that uh, FPGA rabbit hole? I've been watching Jeff Gersman on on Giant Bomb. He's 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 uh, put together this this monster of an FPGA. That um, again, if you guys have not checked these out before, it is basically trying to 
completely emulate hardware on a, on a software level and basically make everything's play perfectly. Like even for some of their arcade emulation stuff, you're basically trying to emulate one exact motherboard and try to get it perfectly. So you can play Donkey Kong exactly like it would play on the um, original hardware with these cores. Um, and I have been poking around and I have not pulled the trigger on one of these because I just don't know if it is too much work to get one of these things up and running. And I'm curious if you have from, you know, again, from, from what you do, if you've gone, gotten to the point where you've ordered all these parts and, and waited to, to get all this stuff delivered and then started to figure out how to put all these cores on this thing to make it work. I, I have, I know I, Great. <laughs> I was watching Jeff, Ger Jeff Gersman was doing it at the same time I was, and it was amazing to like see him talking about it and like that. Cause it is a lot of work. It's like putting together, your dream hot rod and you're going to keep working on it like a pinball machine you're or a like hot rod for to it. you're like adding yeah. ram to it and you're adding like ports to it and fans to it it's it's like it it's just like building a pc but even more complicated in many ways because it's it's all kinds of new technology you probably aren't used to so you go into it very blind and it, it seems really, really scary but once you start doing it it's super easy but it is a rabbit hole. I've been doing this now for a little while. I'm caught up on everything, but to keep up with everything that's going on in it is a little bit challenging. And there's, it's called the, they call it the Mister, uh, MI for the Amiga um, right. part of it, and then ST for the Atari ST part of it, because those were the first two kind of like really popular um, FPGA cores that kind of kicked all this off. And they just put ER on it to be like, you know, it's the Mister, and it's it's kind of like a console in and of itself. Uh, very similar because it's because analog. All their systems are FPGA based. So if you got the Analog NT, the Sega SG, or the Super NT, or any of those things, or the new Pocket coming, which is amazing looking, um, those are all FPGA based platforms, very professionally put together. This is like the homebrew open source version of those things. And so while those systems have specific cores, the Mister has many cores on it. And what a core is is essentially the remapping uh, logic that goes into making this FPGA the field programmable gate array. Is what that stands for. It's like the the most yeah, the easiest way for me to explain it, which is really hard to articulate. Still, is if you saw Terminator Two and the T One Thousand, you can turn into anything. That's what this kind of does, and it does it at that subatomic hardware level, basically. And subatomic being like not actual subatomic, but like it reconfigures all the gates on this this array to behave exactly like hardware does on these systems. So you, with emulation, you get a lot of delay in latency. So like audio is usually a few frames behind. Um, controllers connect to it has some latency because it's USB or whatever. This allows this to behave exactly like the real hardware. So there is no latency. Audio is synced exactly with the frame of video you're seeing. And it can output to HDMI, it can output to a CRT, you have different ways to get video, or you can output to all of them all at once, which I have like a Sony PVM right to my right right now that I have hooked up to it as well as an HDMI monitor. Um, it, the cores that come that you can get for this, you can get like the, uh, you can get a Mac, you can get a PC on the PC side and computer side. You can go back to the Commodore 64, the TI 994A, very esoteric computers like the X68000 is supported on it. And I'm playing like the craziest version of Bosconian on there right now yeah, because it's just amazing for that, right? Yeah. So I was playing, uh, Castlevania on it, which has this amazing music and it looks like you see like these amazing Renaissance style, like works of art hanging on the walls. It's brilliant. And a lot of old Japanese arcade games like uh, Street Fighter and all stuff, there's a lot of development work that was done on an X68000 to support those games and develop those games. So even that system's supported on it, let alone all the stuff on console. So you have like 
all the same stuff that you can get, uh, like, say, with the analog stuff and more. So you get, like, Atari 2600 all the way up to, um, like, TurboGrafx, TurboGrafx CD, Sega, Sega CD, um, Super Nintendo. And then you have features on top of it, so, like, overclocking features and stuff. So I can play, like, Star Fox overclocked at high frame rate and still it's fully playable and everything else. Or I can go to the Atari 800 and load up an old classic like Rescue on Fractalus, that was a very slow, fractal-based flight sim, and I can overclock it and I'll play it at near 60 frames a second, which is insane. Um, so stuff like that is what makes the Mister so awesome. And you can load up all your ROMs and everything all into one on one little device, and you have all like proper menu navigation to all this stuff. And yeah, it's challenging, but there's there's so many resources now online to demystify a lot of that. So <laughs> basically, once you get it. You can get an update script. They just released one not too long ago called an update all script that you just pretty much click it and it just updates everything for you so you don't have to think about it. Oh, but if you want to okay. stay ahead of everything, right? Like you, you, you hit up all the forums, you find out all the works in progress stuff like the Jaguar core and all stuff and you add that stuff to it. And then you can do that as well as do the update. So now it's in a place where it's pretty unified. It's like MAME. Like there's basically a consortium of people who try to keep it all structured and now you have an update script and you just update everything. See, that sounds awesome because um, I, I think where I kind of finally settled on all my, you know, collection and video game stuff is I like having almost as little as possible. Like I am a big fan of I'm even again, you go back to listen to this show three, four, five years ago. Me buying digital games was never going to happen. It was just like I'm buying the physical version. Let's <laughs> go. I want to make sure that I have this thing for the next thousand years and if i don't like it i need to be able to throw it on ebay or throw it on craigslist and be be good to go where like now i you know i just bought the new paper mario digitally like what the hell is going on um yeah but but for me again i think this is this is a separate discussion but i think that you know you know you gotta find where these things fit in your life the best where for for me like i i would like used to stress out being like uh man there's like you know I have all these games. Like I haven't touched these games in like the last five months. Like it's really fun for me to collect them. Uh, but then you kind of like you get you run out of stuff to collect. And uh, this seems like a really good potential option for folks that might not have the room, uh, might just want like a really good project to put together. But also, like maybe the retro pie is not getting it done for you, um, and you want something that is. Of course, you want as much accuracy as possible. Um, yeah, and I think in this case, when you think about stuff like you know RetroPie, there is a problem where even if you get old controls like paddle controllers or trackballs, there's latency just introduced that for those older games that were like frame-specific reaction times, right. it just doesn't work. You can't play Kaboom on a Raspberry Pi. There's almost It's unfathomable almost. Uh, but I think there's a whole generation of people who think, oh, the game was just bad. But if you play it on the Mister, they've actually... There's different options they call snack. They have snack cables, which is like direct cables that go straight to the board, as well as with this other thing you can stick on the bottom called the blister board. And all that really does is it lets you uh, hook up cabling for classic controllers. So you can hook up Super Nintendo ports, you can hook up Atari ports, Genesis ports, same thing, um, Turbo Graphics, and plug your old peripherals and your controllers into that. So I can plug in a multi tap to the Super Nintendo and all the Super Nintendo controllers, and it has pretty much the exact same latency as the Super Nintendo had or the Genesis. Wow. And so you're playing with the real stuff. And for me, it's like put a put a paddle controller on there to play Kaboom. Suddenly you realize, wow, this game's actually really good. And it's like it's running at the speed it's supposed to be with no latency. And, and all that makes a huge, huge difference. Okay, I might have to just like... Um, you know, in, in a perfect world, I know this is kind of like a weird area in a perfect world. I'd 
there would be a website where it'd just be like, give us this much money and we'll send you, we'll build this thing for you <laughs> and we'll send it to you and just like plug it into your computer and install the software and be good to go. But, um, you know, obviously that wouldn't be as satisfying. It's, it's almost there. It's almost there though. So okay. if you wanted to like, basically you have three parts. I think anybody listening who wants to do this, there's like essentially three to four things you're going to buy. And there's, if you go to the, the latest, um, Mr. FPGA forum, you'll find the official one. Um, go there and it lists out, there's like a little note in the forums that tells you what you need, what's the current things you should get. And that they're really easy to find. Uh, it was hard for a little while because once the pandemic hit, people thought this is the time to do this. <laughs> and so, oh, uh, just like consoles, it was like hard to go get yeah. stuff, but I think it's, yeah, I think it's all been replenished now and it's kind of leveled out. So you'll have a chance to pull us together. I had a friend last week who did an order and it looks like it's all coming in pretty soon and he'll be able to put it all together too. Okay, I will. Uh, I will report back at at some point, and maybe we'll do a, a follow up on on all that stuff. Um, maybe kind of going in a slightly different direction. Um, you know, if you talk about people buying lots of video games right now, it became really tough to find any arcade one up machines. First, you know, they had you know TMNT come out, but right during when all this was happening, they also had NBA Jam. Uh, yeah, which I would have to guess it, it's it it must be like their biggest seller at this point because it was also uh, including online play in an old arcade machine and again from all accounts that I've seen so far it works and you know that I think is the big issue with owning an NBA Jam machine or something like that where you're going to be kind of or even like a, like a Street Fighter machine right you know eventually especially during a pandemic, there might not be anyone in the house to play with you. But if you have the online option to do all that stuff, it's um, kind of insane. So I, I know you guys have, have worked with Arcade 1UP to, to put some stuff uh, together. Uh, I, I would have to guess, like from all accounts, like you guys are continuing to move forward and they should just continue to make more of those because I'm damn close to buying an NBA Jam machine. You know what, NBA Jam, you, you nailed it. NBA Jam is probably their best seller. Uh, that's from my guess work here because it was the perfect game at the right time, but the online implementation is flawless. It works. Uh, it, it, it just works. Yeah. And you don't need to set up an account. You just get on there and you it just ju- works. You, you just get on there and you get like, you just, it, it, you have like, you know, it's, it, it feels, you know what it feels? It feels like, like Saganet. It feels like just like yeah. online lobbies of like the early, like late nineties, early two thousands. And it's just, it, it's simple and it works. And, um, I, I can't believe they pulled it off. I can't imagine a more frictionless way to play that game online as an arcade game. Um, so that, I think, is now the blueprint going forward of how you do something like that. And that was, to all credit, should go to Code Mystics on this because they're the ones who developed the NBA Jam cabinet. Uh, they're old friends of ours. We used to work with them when we we're all one family at Digital Eclipse. Very cool. And uh, they're, they're fantastic. And we work with them on and off on stuff. And uh, those guys over there solved pretty much a big problem of how to 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 do that and how to move like an arcade one up cabinet to to the to online and man does it play nice and it's like it's everything you remember those games being and that's a big game we can't even like underestimate how big that game was anyway and like not having it for so long those original games for so long i think there was just like an appetite uh that was already going to be like make it like a bestseller but then now in this pandemic like this is the way to go. I mean, in, in I think the the most surprising thing was the licensing. They didn't get every single player, but they got like whatever it was like ninety seven percent of all the players from yep. the original game 
in the game and um i mean the thing's 400 bucks it's not like that expensive and yeah it's you know uh what is so cool about following the arcade one up kind of story is that they you know started with you know simple stuff obviously stuff from the 80s but now they're really getting into the area that i grew up in which is the games from the 90s like even seeing things like they're doing a you know marvel versus capcom a a street fighter x-men versus street fighter machine um Mm -hmm. and like those are the games like my first arcade machine ever was um what was it it was uh i think it was x-men versus street fighter and it was in um, like a really old like Taito cab. Like it obviously was not built for that. It was just like converted to hell. And um, now I am very concerned that I'm going to start having a bunch of these machines in my house because <laughs> they're. And again, the, maybe the next mountain that they need to climb is light gun games. If they can somehow get figure out how to get whether it be just something like like an Area 51 maximum force combo or something like that, uh, I, I think then uh, that would probably be the next mountain to, to try to, to conquer in this stuff. But uh, now that they got NBA Jam and they got all these like more machines uh, announced, um, it's just been... Again, it's just got to be a great sign for where folks are willing to just invest a ton of money in, in old video games. It just goes back to the sense where folks want to buy these collections, whether it be in an arcade machine or not. Like I, I want more of this stuff and I'm craving more of it. And I just, maybe the biggest frustration is when you don't get what you want. Yeah. And you know what? Like, I think with all things going on right now, it's been amazing to watch the one up community post their pictures of how they're setting these games up and what they're doing with them. And one of the, the things that's been kind of a trend right now is people are converting their garages into arcades for their social bubble. And so oh, that's they're basically, idea. Yeah, they're recreating like what an arcade was like, but now for like a small group that they kind of like can socially interact with safely. And they're just kind of like reliving that kind of experience. Like it's fun, like people talking about their music lists that they're sharing. They're like, you know, old music they they like grew up listening to when they're playing these games is now in their like kind of garage jukebox and everything else. It's like it's amazing seeing how everybody's adapted to this. And I think that's why you see the sales spiking so high for for arcade one ups. It's not it's not like you can't you can't get people to play with you locally. Um, but if you have a group or like, you know, a social group that you're, you're, I love the term social bubble that you're like in the social bubble with, totally. uh, that's, this is like the perfect thing to do. And I think it really helps you get your mind off everything going on in the world. And the one thing that I think is a negative, which has been going on outside of one up as well is, um, I know why people do it. I, I love the creativity and everything like that. But when people make those like crazy modded versions <laughs> where yeah. it's like ground effects and like a thousand characters on the side, stuff like that. It's like, I know what they're doing. Oh, I get boy. it. Or like yeah. that. But it's like it's so it's, it's so gaudy and, and weird to me to see all that stuff. But like there. But the, the thing is, it's tapping into something where it's like the modding community loves doing that. And it's an awesome hobby and everything like that. But it's like beyond like the, to me, the beauty and the, the value of one up is like I get that like classic design of the cabinet as well. While it's miniature or whatever, it's like there's something about that that I really like. But uh, I'm, I'm just old and I need to like move on. No, they crush it. <laughs> and, and, and the fact is, and I, I guess I was I, I was wrong. They they have a big Buck Hunter um, compilation game coming. So I guess they can yep. do like on game. So awesome. All right. Maybe they can figure out who I owns think the, the next- rights. Yeah, I think stuff. the next big thing would be driving games because you you can't oh my get steering wheels easily at home. So imagine if you can get like Super Sprint or um, uh, Super Off Road and that sort of stuff, or Outrun. Oh, dude, give me give me Outrun. I would even I'd be willing to even pay money for Turbo Outrun, even though I yeah. don't love it. <laughs> I, I would totally. <laughs> oh man, I've, we, I don't know if we've talked about the just absolute um, headache. Like 
the, the Outrun's the perfect game because <laughs> Outrun PCBs are notorious for just yes, like imploding and disintegrating. Like they're the most fragile PCBs that I ever deal with when I owned arcade machines to the point where like it was like regular where you would have to just find like three Outrun machines to get one to build one that were that had a proper PCB that had a steering wheel without the gear being broken inside. There's like this gear that is notoriously plastic that would break inside to the point where there were like the arcade community is really dedicated where they actually, well, you know what? Yeah. Go ahead. Like the, those PCBs, they might as well be like a nature Valley granola bar because like oh it didn't God. take much to have those things just fall apart on you. Or, or like the, the, the sound wouldn't work. You you get, yeah. you get a board and like it would run great, but you don't get the sound and outrun without the music <laughs> is might as well be like, you might as well read a book. Like, yeah, it, it's exactly. just not the same. Just write me a book on what outrun is like to play. And I'd rather like, you know, do that. But um, no, you're totally right. Like think about all those and here. Think about that gear. Like, you know what's cool about that gear, though? Like, I just got to say this really quick is like 3D printers have saved a lot of us because I, so wow, many people yeah. have posted up gears for arcade cabinets, like Star Wars mechanisms and that turbo gear mm. <laughs> you can 3D print now. Oh, my and God. It, just, yeah. it works like, wonderfully. The, again, if folks don't know, like you'd have you'd have like an upshift, downshift, like a, a high low gear and you would like you could find them where they'd just be like loose, like it wouldn't stay in the high gear, it would just fall back in a low gear and stuff like that. It was um or I guess it would it would uh, stay stuck in high, and it, you'd have to yep. hold it up in a low. Um, but yeah, I, I just think they've they've done a great job, and uh, the fact that they were able to get Ms. Pac-Man, uh, which I think was something that was kind of really missing, I'm sure. Again, like they must have like you guys licensing gurus on all this stuff, and just really good relationships with the folks putting this stuff together, because to be able to get you know all that Marvel and X Men stuff, um, and to to get. Like even I, I was I really want that Golden Axe machine that they have. They, yeah. they they knocked out. They got all the Star Wars stuff done, and the Star Wars stuff is incredible. And then even to get Turtles, Turtles in Time. Uh, I, I I I I just can't do it. I because I know if I buy one, I can't buy one. Like you just can't have one of these arcade machines. You got to have like four. Like it's it's just it's, not an, it's a scary addiction because it they look small and it's deceiving. You're like, oh, I can get one, and then you're like, I can get two, and next thing you know, you got four and five, and you're like, what am I doing? Yeah, I I I, I was real close. Um, they they have the head to head caps, which I think are also really great. They're cocktail cabinets, and yep. um, it it is really impressive what they're able to do. Uh, like there's, I was really skeptical on this stuff, then saw a lot of videos posted on on youtube once they started getting out there in the wild but they have like a really good uh capcom head-to-head that has like street fighter street fighter 2 it has like commando it has strider in it as ghost of goblins as like 1944 it has like everything in it and the the crazy thing is is that like they just mirror the monitor so you and it works and it works really well um and I, you know what, to be honest, I, I just recently got uh, a new dog like a couple months ago. And I think my biggest worry is that he chews on everything. Um, like yeah. the, he chews on the walls, like the corner of the wall. And I'm just worried he's going to. We just got a puppy too. And the oh. exact same thing, like that dog wants to chew everything. So luckily at our house, I, I have like a, you know, our upstairs and downstairs is like anything. Video game is pretty much downstairs. Yeah, everything upstairs is just like regular house. So, uh, the things that are at risk now are the things my wife likes. So I'm just sitting back on like, okay, perfect. Just dog stays here. I don't care. <laughs> you, you know, I, I think maybe the, 
the best thing ever is now that everything is getting towards USB-C cables where he chewed through a USB-C cable that I have <laughs> for my computer. And it was just like, well, who cares? Like you just throw yeah. out the cable, the power, you don't have to buy a whole new power thing. Uh, and now we're, we're all okay. So um, I know we're jumping all over the place, but again, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of good stuff to, to talk about. So um, maybe let's, let's switch gears uh, a little bit and go back into the history of video games because um, again, I've been, my days are really like the reason why we haven't been doing uh, shows even during the summers. Like I am, I'm at the gym from like five thirty in the morning until noon, like nonstop coaching. And then I usually, this is the time where I'm usually passed out and I'm taking a nap. So I apologize if I start fading away at all. But uh, and then I go back like from three to seven. So I'm like you know coaching like nine hours a day and doing all this stuff. So usually when I get home, games are not an option. It's just like physically, I'm my my fingers might as well not work. So yeah, uh, I've been watching lots of like old videos and it's been it's been great to go back. There's YouTube is is magical uh, because there's just video of everything from back in the day and uh what i've been um watching some of or i guess it wasn't on youtube it was on on talking about giant bomb again they have a great series that i i somehow missed out on years ago that they started called demo derby where they throw in an old demo disc from like the official playstation magazine or official xbox magazine or even like these demo discs that came with games and throw them in and their i guess their goal is that I guess maybe their guidelines is that they have to actually go through every piece of content that's on that thing from <laughs> the, it's just amazing going back and watching some of this, some of this stuff, like the interviews that like they would hire this person to do interviews on like the E3 show floor that just were like whack, like wacky over the top late nineties or like, <laughs> I, I remember, I swear to God, I was, I, I don't know if I was like just, this tour went to um, Universal Studios in Orlando, but one year at Universal Studios in Orlando, the PlayStation bus came, and they just had a bus full of PlayStations, and you could just go in, play PlayStations, and like they basically, would, when you left, you would walk out with a coupon. Actually, maybe it's like a mail-in rebate. If you left and you bought a PlayStation with this uh, coupon, you'd actually get a $50 rebate or a game of your choice. Um but anyways, they like did these interviews outside of their like uh, people showing off the PlayStation Two and like yeah I'm gonna I'm like gonna sell a kidney for a PlayStation Two and all this stuff. But my point is with all this, and it got me to to this point where I realize you don't really get game demos anymore. We get um you know you get games that are kind of real you know you get early access stuff yeah uh, where you get trial, but a lot of times you're paying for it. Like you're basically it's like a pre order for the game and you get early access to the that or you get a beta or which is kind of like a preview of the game but um demo discs and demos were so influential to me growing up when you couldn't just like now i can pretty much like if, if I, there's a game i want i can just buy it because i'm an adult and i have a job and i'm rather responsible i can do it back when you're a kid you get like four games a year so those demo discs didn't only make your purchase decisions but they also were like those are the games that you're just playing like i would just replay demos over yeah. and over and over and over and over and over again. Like I like that siphon filter demo I would play over and over again, wishing I could buy it. Or playing like there were um you could play sixty set you play one minute of Tony Hawk Pro Skater two. Not two yeah. minutes, just one minute. <laughs> you could play one minute and you could play it over and over again. Um and all that stuff. So I guess my uh topic for you to to kind of uh, you know pass it off is um do you, do you see like are demos just done and also you know 
I got to imagine just going back, uh, if, if there are, are my, I guess a better way to phrase that question is, do, do you have any demos that are near and dear to your heart that you played over and over and over again or that like made you just interested in a game, a series, or even a genre that you would have never touched, but because you just had that demo disc and you might as you're like, oh, well, might as well play everything that's on here because it's it's on here. Uh, I'll give it a shot. Were, were there any games that were, you know, that you ended up jumping onto because of uh, a demo or demo disc? Oh, so many. Because growing up, a lot of these demos would come on discs on that were like taped to magazines. And I would always oh, buy yeah. Hell yeah. like OXM and all these. I would buy those magazines before the, for the demos. Basically, I wanted to read what was in the magazine, but I was like, I would I would see there'd be like four demos on one of these discs and in cases like OXM, those just ran on an Xbox or um, even going back further. I used to uh, go to, to like the local computer store and I would buy Amiga format that would always have a disc on the front. And that's where I learned that, that's where I played Lemmings for the first time because oh. I didn't know what Lemmings was. And here comes this demo. And I played that. That was probably the demo I played the most. I would I'd say probably the most I've ever played because like I would just play that over and over and over and just try to like do better every single time. And by the time that game like officially came out, which was for for it to come out in the U.S., it took a while. <laughs> like I was an expert at the game. I just like I blew through it once I got it because it's like, oh, I, I know exactly what to do. And it was just amazing to see everything else. But like you're right, the, you you get a demo like that and you just eat it up. When you're a kid, like just anything interactive was and it was free basically in your mind was just like a miracle. And and getting like you're saying four games a year. Uh, that was pretty much it. Like, yeah, with computers, you pirate stuff or do whatever. But like a lot of the stuff you would download and stuff was, again, <laughs> demos. Like you would just have demos yeah. and people learn to hack those demos and figure out how to get more content out or of even it. Like Unreal whatever. Tournament, like remember, like you could just like download these multiplayer or like the Quake 3 demo where you could, yeah. you know, you only got one stage. But I would play that stuff, especially like maybe now that I'm thinking more and more about it. Like, I think demos were even more important for me when the family got, like, a PC that was capable of of playing stuff or uh, when you had things like, I mean, how many different file sharing hosting sites were there where you had to and, like, legit stuff where, like, the games, like, it wasn't just, like, GameSpy. There were so many of these file, like, these websites that were basically yeah. just there so you could download the latest update for Counter-Strike or something like that before Steam yep. where things would auto-update. And you would have to not just like download the game, but you had to download their download manager. You had to use yeah, their download manager to get all this stuff. And um, and, and again, for, for like a lot of this stuff, I, I remember there's so many things, even, you know, Sharer was another thing where you could just walk into Babbage's and for 99 cents, you could get a CD with the first whole episode of Duke Nukem 3D on it or, or, or Quake as well. Like yeah. that's, I never played anything past the shareware version of Quake. That's it. Yep. Like that's pretty much it. I mean, I might've like in later years, but as a kid growing up, like, you know, that was so much of my gaming. I look back on was I wasn't even playing retail games. I was playing demos a lot. And it kind of follows my gameplay patterns because I'll buy it. Like I'll even buy like a $60 game and maybe play an hour of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then it like goes on a stack and I often, I won't ever go back to that and it's a shame, but like, I don't know why I do that. But when those demo, I would sometimes get everything I wanted out of a demo. And I remember the next gen, you probably like the next gen Christmas nights demo disc yeah. for Saturn yeah. was like a revelation to me. Cause I didn't, like I didn't actually have a Saturn, but I, I knew somebody who did and I would borrow it. 
And he had like the same games that I played to death. So mm-hmm. I, when I got that demo disc, I borrowed it so I could sit there and just play Christmas Nights over and over and over again. It was awesome. It, it, and that was a huge seller for whether like for the PlayStation because you, you yeah. couldn't get demo carts for Nintendo sent us tapes. They sent us VHS tapes. And yep, that you get those was, in the mail. Yeah, here, here, here's here's a look at Perfect Dark for Nintendo yeah. 64. And um, of course, we recorded this at the worst possible quality, um, like <laughs> yeah. whatever, whatever it was the you know, you know, whatever. Four eighty i. Oh no, but but it was like it was like you know I mean, and. <laughs> I can't believe somehow we ended up talking about um, in my group last night. We were talking about back in the day. My parents used to record on VHS Saturday Night Live every. So I grew yeah. up watching. I always watch. I knew every episode of Saturday Night Live because we just watched them over and over and over again in the nineties. And um, and this is when I was probably inappropriate, but I didn't understand. <laughs> it was like the Bill Clinton stuff was going on. I don't know what any of this stuff means, but. Um, what, you know, six hour speed, right? Yeah, you have to you have to use like the <laughs> like the EP, the LP, and like the yeah. SP, all that stuff to to try to like yeah, I'm gonna fit. I'm not just and I would do this like I tried to fit. I had Back to the Future one, two, and three on one VHS tape yes. recorded off of USA. Yep, <laughs> like with all the <laughs> commercials edited out because I thought I didn't think of video quality. I thought. Well, of course, I'm just going to put this on one tape. What am I doing? If you can work, why wouldn't you just always record six hours of stuff uh, and try to fit like all three, you know, episode four, five, and six of Star Wars on it? Um, anyways, yeah. I don't, do you think demos are, are, are going to come back? I feel like even today, it's like a miracle when we get uh, a demo of a game. I know Nintendo does it sometimes uh, with some stuff. Like they'll have, like for Splatoon 2, or I guess this is for a lot of, not just Nintendo, a lot of games now, they have like a free weekend where you can check yeah. out, um, you know, check, especially for like multiplayer games uh, or service based games. It's free for this weekend. Try it out. Like that's the demo, but you don't really necessarily get like, here's the first stage of you know so and so game go check it out um instead a lot of it is i guess folks watch maybe the new demo is just like people watch it on twitch for like an hour or so yeah i was gonna say i think i as much as i pine for those old demo days i think they're over because we have twitch now and we also have things like game pass so hell yeah even though you're not playing early if you have game pass you can try everything you get a taste of it all and so i think it's just those days are gone as much as i love them um and we look back on them because there were you know obviously there was things where games that never come out sometimes there was a there's like a weird medieval fighting game that had iron in the title i forgot what it was for playstation it was like i don't know if it was like a D fighter or something like that and that was on a demo disc and then it just never came out and stuff like that that was all really cool but at the end of the day distribution everything's just changed technology's like leapfrogged over that now yeah. and things like game pass just make it like not even a discussion point anymore it's a game changer um it I, is i i think you know for for game pass i think uh i my i think my someone in my family bought me like another year of game pass because it was it was during last christmas they were like selling years of game pass for like 60 bucks or something like that so i i just put it on like everyone's uh you know when people said like what do you want i asked for like game passing and one person would got it. i think i have like three years of game pass so they they've automatically decided that I'm getting a Series X because of yeah. that, um, and it means like I really don't need to. I mean, I'm, I'm curious. I know there's been some developers that have talked about this and have been extremely positive with how Microsoft has supported people that have put their games on Game Pass. There's been developers that have talked about how our game is getting played. 
twice as much on Xbox as it is on PlayStation and Switch combined because if you have Game Pass, you have the game. You might as well try it, especially if it's something that you might be relatively interested in. But um, for me, Game Pass, that's how that's how I'm playing NBA 2K20. I didn't pay for it. It's on Game Pass. Uh, yep. I, I wouldn't have paid for it. I would have been like, dude, I, I bought you know, I bought 2K19. Let's just play that instead. Um, but for now, Game Pass has... I, I, that is that's their nuclear option, and it is. It, and it seems like even if again all those games they showed last week are going to be available on Game Pass, I just don't know how Sony competes with it. Um, aside from, I guess, I, I guess maybe you just have to even make better games that are going to make people pay. Well, it looks like we'll be seventy dollars, not sixty dollars anymore. And can you imagine that they they've kind of merge game pass with the X cloud now uh, is what it sounds like. And oh my if they're going to deploy yeah. all of game pass games on X cloud. Now you're playing all your Xbox games on PC. So, yeah. and what's, yeah. Like what other platforms can they put that on? Right. So it's like they're, they're moving really fast into getting, not only is it just like game pass, but getting game pass on devices that you wouldn't normally have it uh, thanks to X cloud. And that's crazy. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, imagine like playing on Android, you're playing your Xbox games. Like right. that's, that's awesome. And, and and this is coming from someone where, and, and, and I just love, I know we talked about this, I've talked about this before. It's just competition's awesome. And um, the way that generations have shifted and how the, the like the the pendulum has shifted, Nintendo's always doing their own thing. So they're like not a part of the conversation as 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 much because Nintendo's always doing Nintendo stuff where yep. Microsoft and Xbox are also seeming to go in, you know, different uh, directions, although obviously boxes that are somewhat similarly power, powered um, for, for the most part. And uh, where at the start of last generation, you're like, Microsoft has no idea what they're doing. They don't care about games anymore. Uh, they're talking about this TV stuff. Uh, they're basically making a less powerful box than Sony. I'm And it's more expensive and it's got Kinect. I don't want Kinect. They're gonna, I'm gonna go with Sony and I've invested a ton of money. I still have a PlayStation 4 Pro, love it. Um, and I think it's a great, it's, it's my Yakuza machine, but now Yakuza's on game pass. They just like Yakuza Kiwami two yeah. is on game pass today. I own it for PlayStation four. I've not played it yet. I obviously downloaded an Xbox on my X. Um, and I think that's going to be the way I play that now. But the fact is like, you just wake up every week and there's another game where it's like, what? It's just free. And it is. Yeah. And, and you just do it. I just, do you think this is going to be sustainable? Is it like, have they just somehow pulled off the Netflix of gaming? Because clearly, and this is the narrative that I think a lot of people are on, is that they don't care where you play. Here's a box if you need it. You got a PC. Great. You can use that. You have an iPad. Use xCloud. Go do that. Um, which I think for me is, I, I think I'm so excited for xCloud. I'm really bummed they took down, I believe they had a beta version of xCloud for the yeah. iPad. Um and they, they took it down, or I think maybe Apple took it down, whatever, either or. Um, but for me, as we're talking off air, like I just got a new 12.9-inch um, iPad Pro, which is like the best screen I've ever looked at in my life. Um, I Again, when I come home from you know a long day of work, I don't get to the couch. I go right to the bed. Uh, and yeah. to be able to just like have an Xbox controller next to my bed and just like... Yeah, what the hell? Uh, let's play. Let's play another mission of, of Halo, and I can do it from bed on this great screen. And to have it be like very, very, very low latency, um, having that one-two punch of XCloud Game Pass uh, seems to be 
it seems to be where I want to be. It might not be where everyone wants to be, but for me as someone that wants options and to be able to like or boot up a game while I, a, a client cancels it at the gym or if you're at work and you have a half an hour to kill, if you can play your Xbox on your iPad or your laptop and just all you need is a controller with you and have it be great latency, um, like that's that's it. That's all I need. Yep. So that's cool. Uh, <laughs> uh, but again, I, again I, I have no doubt like I'm... It's it's not like Sony's like well that's great they're doing that like I guess we'll just keep doing what we're doing I I bet you Sony's like let's go let's figure this out obviously the Sony um, online options for their uh, what's it called Sony Play what the heck's it called yeah I'm, bl- I'm blanking I think on that's it, it. Um, but where where you can just you know play old PlayStation games like where Microsoft's like no backwards compatibility we got it original Xbox games yeah you can play it on this 360 yep. yeah of course uh, Xbox One games well duh yeah of course you're going to play all that stuff as someone that likes to go back to play old stuff and to not have to have four different consoles to play it yo you, you guys are talking <laughs> to me um, and, and that's and, and, and also the best thing is like you know you talk about from an FPGA standpoint like like the, especially from from your perspective like you must seem to think that they're doing just some emulation wiz- wizardry where they can get these games and like they're talking about like adding wait did they talk about adding like ray tracing to old 360 games and xbox one games and stuff like that the fact that they're able to not just make them run better up resident with 4k whether it be the example of red dead redemption on on 360 or something like that but even for original xbox games to even make them play better look better like that is like that's awesome uh like their i don't method, know how they're doing it they're, yeah their method that they're doing allows for all that stuff you can imagine like without anything i don't think they've officially said anything but you can imagine all those things being something they can do especially since they've added like 16.9 support to games and all, yeah, all these things so that were like cool. you know crt era games are now getting the, the the royal hd treatment and all they really have to do is just like enable it almost there's some work that has to be done here and there and it's a lot of like okay is this game running then let's try to do these things to open up because it can support it um but that's it's still incredible it's a it's a really forward-thinking way to do things and i'd be shocked if sony isn't going to do something like that um just because they're not first doesn't mean they won't do it and i would imagine uh the success of this because i can say from uh from my viewpoint, we've had IDARB on Game Pass for a long time. We only just recently removed it, and not for any other reason other than it's just old and needs to get updated and all this kind of stuff. So we took it off. But like that was, it made incredible business sense. That's all I can say. It, it, I went in skeptical, and it was it, it did a lot for us, and it it really changes the way you um, basically uh, predict your your what they would always say the long tail of your product. It changes that graph because now as people play the game, and engage it more, and then when we, we saw some activity when you remove it. Like, when you remove it, suddenly people are like, oh, it's not on Game Pass anymore. I better yeah. go grab it. Yeah, yeah, because I like that game. Totally. And so I think there's a lot of strategies people are going to start learning on, like, when you put it on, when you take it off, and that sort of thing. But ultimately, even when it's on there, the residual effect and the, the kind of, like, the shotgun effect of, like, uh, the, the collateral purchases that happen just by being on Game Pass is uh, it was, it was remarkable. And it, it wasn't anything I anticipated. It, it, it makes me... Um... I, I I wouldn't say it frustrates me, but it, it also like it makes me again. It's like the competition standpoint. It makes <laughs> me wish like I I would say by far the the hardware that gets the most use from me right now is is still my Nintendo Switch. Like it's yep. just because it's easy. It's on and off. It's next to my bed. And again, that's where I'm. Exactly. Like most of my most of my gaming is like when I'm like you know in bed lying next to my dog, and I'm like you know I got a video streaming next to me too, and um, it just makes me 
maybe like my biggest frustration is just when you don't get the stuff that you want. Like I would give you guys money for this right now, whether it be, I know there's rumors of like a Super Mario, uh, a 3D Super Mario collection that would come out with, you know, whether it be 64 and Sunshine, I guess if you can just do it there, do it without any work. I mean, I wouldn't invest a lot. I mean, Sunshine was never my game, but if you can get me, like I, I keep, I look almost every other week at GameStop because they have used Wii's and they give you like Galaxy One and Two with it. It's like, yeah. oh, well, that's your. So you're saying you can give me a Super Mario Galaxy machine? Awesome. Oh wait, and there's also now an HDMI thing that people make that will upres it too. Okay, yeah, like I, I should do that, but I don't want to buy that stuff because I feel like Nintendo should just give me. For sixty dollars, I'll pay yeah. full price. Give me Galaxy One and Two. That's like all I want. Um, yep. But again, it's a problem with like backwards compatibility. Where like Microsoft is like, you own this stuff. Just here, here's we'll, we'll write this thing, and then you can play your games on this. Where Nintendo, I'm like, oh man, like we're such suckers sometimes because all I want to do is give you sixty dollars to play Wind Waker again on my, another piece of console. I want to buy it a third time because <laughs> just because it's it's that good. Um, yep, but. I don't know where I'm going with that, but again, it's just like one of those things where, oh man, just make this easy. Like Nintendo, put all this stuff out. It's just, isn't it kind of a Wii U, but just like a little more powerful, just like copy and paste. But of course it's not that. Um, <laughs> so uh, I want to talk to you about hype. Uh, we yep. you got these new consoles coming out and um, of course it might be because of the pandemic. We didn't have E3. Um, you know, a lot of these games I'm sure are like every console generation are um they're really probably coming in hot uh where i think like one of the rumors right now is even when halo uh infinite launches it will actually like continue to get graphical updates and performance updates because it's probably going to be like even like the ray tracing stuff will come in afterwards maybe multiplayer won't ship with it uh which would be nuts for a halo game but um that's the world of video games today so um I, I wanted to ask you kind of like two things. One, do you, are you feeling hype for the, this upcoming generation? Is just, is that just something that we don't have anymore because we don't have like, um, what's his name from from Lord of the Rings talking to us on MTV for 30 minutes and showing us like our first look at the next generation of games? Well, you know, I think we're seeing the side effect of a couple things. One, of course, we're in a pandemic and it's really hard to get excited about anything really. Um, it's challenging for a lot of people, but also without having E3 and show trade shows like that, or even GDC this year, the effect of that is also part of this because it wasn't just on like say Nintendo, Sony or Microsoft to get the word out and stream things out to people. It was, it was also a coming of the minds where, you know, a gathering of the minds where, uh, we would have, you know, all these journalists, everybody go to one epicenter and celebrate these things in an atmosphere that got everybody excited. And then they would just hit, like hit the internet with just like an, a level of excitement about everything that was coming out and get the word out wide and far. And we don't have that. We we actually are sitting like it's like when you watch um, a show without a laugh track, a sitcom or whatever. It's kind of like that when you're watching these presentations because you don't feel the energy of what was going on when or it's presented in front without of a, a large crowd. Yeah, baseball without a crowd or wrestling yeah. without a crowd, which oh they've probably been doing the best job <laughs> out of everybody. Yeah. But like even that is like, you know, it's really hard to do. So. That's kind of what we're seeing. We're seeing the demos, I think, that were, that were meant to be at E3 now presented in a stream for all to see with no 
uh, energy around it or commentary to really kind of like get you in the mode. And it's not comment; they're giving commentary from like their side. But when you're at a show or you're like a journalist there looking at a game, the commentary and the, the stuff being said around a game as it's being presented is very different. And it's it's that's where I, I feel like a lot of the hype would come from. And not having that is just really weird. Yeah, it's not from like you know the the. Again, I, I think a lot of it would be relayed from the press. It'd be, you know, the press would go out to these demos and they get hands on and they would say, this is legit. This is, yeah. this, this is like, it looks good. It plays well. Um, where I think for, again, using Halo as an example, I guess what happened was, and this is all you can do. Like they can't just send people Xbox Series X dev kits and, you know, yeah. that's just not going to happen from a security standpoint. But if you... I guess they all went on, you know, like a let's call it a, like a Zoom like, and basically they got played back the demo from that, and they got to ask questions about the demo and the game and stuff like that. And I think that's what a lot of games are doing. I know there's uh, a lot of developers and publishers are looking for solutions. Where I think this is where the Assassin's Creed leak came from a couple of weeks ago, where yep. you know it was on this platform, but of course people just filmed it anyways, um, and. Uh, put that footage up but I, I i think for 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 me it just feels like i i don't know i don't know there neither of these i think halo if they can pull it off and get it out for release would be great uh but from a sony side like uh, again ratchet and clank would probably be the big game for me but it's not it doesn't look like it's going to be there there's an obviously a, a naughty dog game that's going to be ready to go um, at launch and even last for for PlayStation Four and for Xbox uh, One, I don't feel like there was uh, a lot of a lot of hype for that uh, from for just like one or two games, but it was like a, a good handful of games that that came on both those consoles that you know, hey, I can justify this purchase. Um, but I just remember from PlayStation Three for yeah. Xbox Three Sixty, the Nintendo Wii. Like the lines out the door of people yep. waiting a week in advance. Obviously, you can't do that now. I'm not talking about that, but the the fact is, is that people are like, "I'm buying this PlayStation Three. I don't even know what for. I like, yeah. I don't know Madden. I'm gonna get it for Madden. Uh, when's Metal <laughs> Gear come out? Comes out in exactly. two years. Uh, I don't care. I need this PlayStation Three. Where uh, for for all this stuff right now, and and maybe it is because of the solutions that. Again, not so much on the PlayStation side, where they're being very specific of, uh, you know, we we cut the cord at PlayStation Four, and then we go PlayStation Five is a completely different console, uh, and you know, once you know, they're just completely separate entities. Where Microsoft is basically saying, like, like if you have an Xbox One right now, you're going to be able to play some of these games that come out for the Series X, and even if you don't have like an Xbox One X, and it might be cross-gen stuff. Um, you can just use our cloud platform and you can play them on your Xbox from that. No problem. Yeah. Like, you don't have to rush out and get a box right now. And maybe you can't afford one. Uh, and maybe I think that's it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier, though, because like the the technical jump from last generation to this generation, if they don't have if they're not showing the promise of that uh, pretty regularly right now. It's really hard to get excited about what the future is going to have. Yeah, it's hard to it. see like, it in the videos back, that we're seeing right now. Yeah, exactly. And like, I, I think of, I go back when I think of like the jump from 16 bit to 32, uh, a 2D to 3D jump, essentially. Like, we were coming out of Super Nintendo, and then you see what N64 can do with Super Mario, or you see what the PlayStation's doing with all those games, like from Resident Evil to even Battle Arena to Shinden and stuff. That was like a huge technological leap that felt like, 
a gigantic value gap yeah. that you were willing to pay. And even though it wasn't that big of a gap, it was like you're willing to pay whatever to get there. And then with the promise of online play and going into HD and all this stuff with 360 and PS3, you saw again like that technology gap that you're willing to pay for because you're like, oh, this is so much better than what I have right now. And even if I don't get uh, a, a new TV, an HD TV, I will get one eventually, and this will be amazing on it. And now we're kind of in this place where it's like, yeah, 4K. A lot of people have 4K. A lot of people don't. But the the jump there just doesn't feel like that that giant jump. And real time ray tracing, it's amazing, but you got to really show off how amazing it is and and like educate everybody on that. Um, but what's it doing to games and everything like that? It's like what what changes in the game? Going from like Super Nintendo and playing Super Mario Kart to playing Mario Kart 64. You you could you you knew immediately what that change was. That that has uh, going, to be that has yeah. to be the biggest jump. It has to be from you know in or like I think you know Super Nintendo Nintendo sixty four is the the perfect side by side and with those exact franchises, whether it be look a link to the past to Ocarina of Time game changer. Yep. Like just it, it like it's 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 hard to even think like they're like of the same ilk just because it's a completely different structure. Like they had to build, you know, Z targeting and all that stuff for, for that. They had to figure out all these things that had not been done before for the first time. And I think that's where a lot of the nostalgia for Nintendo 64 comes from. It's like they started, they started off with super Mario 64 and they figured it out from the get go. Like yeah. they figured out the camera, like, okay, maybe not the camera stuff, but for the most part, <laughs> the controls, they had the analog stick, they had all this stuff where maybe if I'm actually really being honest and I'm thinking back, the most hype I ever was, was getting that Nintendo 64 on the re- release year at Christmas with not just Super Mario 64, but Wayne Gretzky's 3D hockey. And I'm not yeah. joking. Like seeing I know. that compared to NHL like 96 or whatever I was playing at my friend's house, it's like I can't go back. I'm ne- Why would I ever go back and play a Super Nintendo game? Of course, that changes. But My my, my Wayne Gretzky was Wave Race. Uh, oh, my God. Look I at saw that Wave water. Race. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. I'm like this – like everything I thought games were is changing. Like, uh, go, go watch that John Linneman video of looking back on Wave Race <laughs> for Digital Foundry uh, Retro and mm-hmm. – Oh my God! Like the just the, the mastery of of like I guess the the textures that they put together for the water and just the physics that they had back in nineteen ninety. In incredible, it was. What a, what a great system, Nintendo sixty four. Okay, <laughs> I, I know it gets a bad rep today, but the fact that you can get Super Mario sixty four, you get Ocarina of Time. You know, I know for those of us that didn't have like great PCs back then, GoldenEye, Perfect Dark. Oh, fun yeah. games. If you had friends and you like to play in the same house together, and you didn't have the internet, awesome! Oh my god, like some of the best multiplayer gaming of all time. Four ports, man. Four ports. Yep. I, I think the Built only thing it. that yeah, the only thing that really contends from like a multiplayer, like I, you know, maybe that was the big selling point for 360 was Xbox Live. Uh, maybe yeah. more than anything was that big leap in terms of connectivity and yeah, it wasn't the, the system's power per se, but it was the the ease in which you could play with people online with the 360 and, and even the, the the PS3 at that point. Um, but, it was but just that so was much a selling easy. point. That I mean, that yeah. was the that was the joke of the PlayStation 3 is that every single game, every other every game had its own online platform. There yeah, was no exactly. unified like you had different friends lists for different games. Like that was the joke I made with my friend of like, no, why would I buy a PlayStation Three and play Resistance 
when you you had like in that resistance like did it right where you had all these other games with like separate like we just have a friends list like let's just play and it's and it's two hundred dollars less if you get a an xbox 360 okay we're, but that we're, was the big leap that was the big leap right? right so online was the leap there and then so now you look at it and say what's the big leap here yeah exactly um maybe it is again maybe it is for xbox is probably the maturity of game pass and cloud gaming i think that's really their that's what they're banking on i think story. that the last thing we saw that was a game pass story yeah. And they didn't they weren't showing you the power of the system story. It was this is the story of Game Pass and look what you get with it. Look at 12 uh, games. You're going to get them all if you pay whatever it is, 12 bucks a month. You're going to get all this yeah. stuff. Just it, like if for the price of two full price games a year, you get all this stuff. So don't exactly. even think about it and um that's that's pretty cool. Um so before we we kind of wrap up. Oh man, we haven't even talked. So, okay, can we we can <laughs> yeah, we, we talk can. we get to talk about First off, how um, you got to love limited run games. Man, those guys are crazy. And um, God bless them because they have a Samurai Showdown Neo Geo class, uh, Classic Collection that comes with a shock box. And um, that's, it was really, I was really close to spend, I think it was like, it was like 80 bucks or something like that. I was really close to buying that. But um, can we talk about Sam's show? Because, yes. Uh, how did you guys pull this off? <laughs> how, how did you, okay, so if if folks don't know the history, the fact is, I think it's Samurai Showdown Five Special. Is that uh, perfect? Perfect. The, okay, so special the, the new the new one. Yeah. Okay, in perfect. This was just found. Yeah. So if we go back to the beginning of this project, we had just Please, yeah. finished. We we wrapped up SNK 40th Anniversary Collection. And if you haven't, if you like old SNK history, which and by the way is on Geo, sale right now, I think. I think yep, it was on, it's on sale. Okay. It should still be on sale. Good. Okay. And it's worth it because you'll learn a lot about SNK's history and you'll you'll see how they evolved and what led them to Neo Geo. And we wanted to continue telling the story. And we thought, what best way to tell the story after talking with SNK for a long time about yeah. what we could do together following the SNK 40th? And we we saw that you know Samurai Showdown was coming out, uh, the the new game. So we're like, let's do Samurai Showdown and let's do it right. So. Our whole goal, like what we do at Digital Eclipse, is we wanted to put all the games in there, uh, give them as much as we could, um, and then we wanted to also like provide the most robust museum we could possibly give anybody. So you had all the materials you could ever want to understand the world of Samurai Showdown from concept sketches, design, documentation, and all that. And then we went one extra step, and we wanted to make sure this was going to be our first, the first time that we could actually start putting our toe in the water for doing documentaries that we could include within the package itself. So... The documentary side of it, we work with our good friend Brandon Sheffield from Necrosofty, awesome. who we've talked with several times and worked with on stuff. He's incredible. He helped us on Street Fighter and all this other stuff, um, and a good friend of ours. Um, we asked if he could could go and help kick off this effort, and so he gladly did. It was, and it, it's a good that he did because he's a great journalist, and he went to Japan, interviewed all the uh, team members we could that were um, still willing to do it for uh, and talk about Samurai Showdown, got them all on camera. And during one of those interviews, it kind of slipped out that there was this version of Samurai Showdown that was finished and was ready to go to market and then was just shelved uh, to move forward with you know the, the Neo Geo 64 or whatever, the, the 3D <laughs> right. hardware. And they made four, say, what, four games for it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, But like it, it kind of slipped out, and he, he kept hammering on that with him, going like, well, tell me more about this. And so of course. even SNK, they kind of forgot about this, and it became like now a, a kind of archaeological hunt for this, this game because um, you can imagine 
a lot of people don't want to say whether they have it or not or whatever, especially if they're not with the company anymore or any of this stuff. So we were worried about like whether we'd even ever find this game. And with the help of SNK and, and the people that were involved in the game, we were able to track it down. And everybody was all happy with the scenario. And that became kind of like the, the rally cry for this product. And we're like, this is a game that people need to see. And we got to make sure that it's like finished up. So we had to finish it up. Um, Brandon translated it. Uh, we were able to implement his translation into the game. So we have an English translation for it and everything. And we're able to include that in his collection. And that, like, to us was, like, an amazing... Like, that, that's kind of what we dream of doing for every Digital Eclipse product is bringing something to market that people haven't experienced before. And part of that is the story, telling stuff they haven't heard before and they've seen the, in documentation, but also documentaries where we get to talk about stuff and then see the moments where we discover that there's something new here and then include that with this stuff is just uh that that's why that's why we do all this actually and so that was that was a huge thing and then on the techno technology side um while we were doing this we came up with the idea of doing this thing we call hd scaling because when you look at neo geo games they were like low resolution 320 by 240 ish or whatever the actual one was and when they scaled these large sprites down you lost all this detail and it, it dawned on us while we're doing this, like we're making, we're emulating this. Why can't we just increase the buffer for that for the screen and make it actually higher res, so each pixel is like maybe four pixels big because we can on an HD screen. But then as the sprites and backgrounds scale, we actually we scale to that higher resolution, so you don't lose detail when the characters scale. And we're like, what would that look like? So we implemented that, and it looked incredible. Um, so we went and we started implementing that, and that's about the exact same time that somebody had the exact same realization for Super Nintendo and put it in one of the uh, Super Nintendo emulators that, that's really popular. And um, they applied it to like Super Mario Kart, which made Super Mario Kart look amazing because that game looks really chunky when you look at it now. But with this kind of scaling technique, it makes it look really good. So things like that, like the, the trying to figure out how we can present these games in different ways, because like you can turn that on and off. We want to make sure that the actual original game is authentically replicated. But being able to do new things with the platform and offer that to people to tweak and, and try out um, is other things we want to do. Because like the artistic intent wasn't that they wanted these sprites to look ugly when they scaled down. They would have preferred that they retained as much detail as possible. So we try to offer artistic intent options uh, in these things, too. So I'm really excited about it because it came out. It seems like people really like it. Um, we put all the games online. We did all these things uh, that... Um, they haven't had really that that often previously. So um, to get them all in one collection like this, plus a new game, it's it's been really fun. It's, uh, I mean, to be honest, I, I think that is like the selling point for 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 me is the fact that you get you basically get an unreleased Samurai Showdown game, and I think it yeah. can be a bit. I mean, you could just, I mean, it's worth the price of admission for getting Samurai Showdown too. Um, I mean, yep. I played when I had my MVS. Like, I love that like just every that's the thing i think that's what makes the neo geo mvs hardware and the aes hardware just so special is it was like the best 2d graphics like the the, the, yeah. the amount of detail because they just like they just kept throwing chips on those boards so like storage wasn't a problem like you just had so much detail like these backgrounds are works of art um not to like go crazy but they they were and it's why full screen animation as well like oh you have God. everything animating and smoothly animating and it was brute like, force let's just go like <laughs> they just they, they would just little like and again that's why like you go back and look at like a mark of the wolves right now and you're just like how do they do it it looks like pure animation and it's just yeah. uh, I'm exaggerating a little bit as I do but it 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 really is and the fact that you get like the the neo I forget it was called the ultra neo geo 64 um, yeah 
Uh, or no, excuse me, the Hyper Neo Geo no, you're, you're combining, Yeah, you're combining the Nintendo Ultra yeah, 64. Sorry. And, and, and what I was going to say is like, oh man, that as soon as Nintendo <laughs> saw that, they knew it, couldn't, it had to be Ultra because that must be at least one better than, than Hyper. Um, I, I get it. Do you have you must have something in your basement that says like NU sixty four on it, right? Do you have do you have any like pre release like Nintendo stuff or would that stuff just never have made it over here? It's probably all like back in Japan because they would have obviously changed. Uh, I've got a couple things. Of course, why why would I even? Things. Yeah, I, I shouldn't even have. Uh, I, I shouldn't even underestimated under- you. I, I just, come on, um, man, just like. Of course, you probably have like a killer instant cabinet. That's like the biggest arcade cabinet ever. Oh my god! Oh, um, I, I I used to have one of those. Oh, actually, I didn't. It was a friend's who kept it in our office. So um, that thing was awesome. I loved that thing. I I'm telling you, the the uh, this place. If you're in Massachusetts, Nick's Roast Beef, uh, great place. Um, the they basically. I would spend all the change that came from going to that restaurant that when my dad would buy us lunch or, or dinner or whatever, and I would play uh, one of two games, Cruising USA. Of course, we were told yep. to be running on the future Nintendo hardware. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you guys ever ended up playing Cruising USA on the Nintendo 64. It did not live up to uh, those visuals. And then I've also uh, Killer Instinct uh, played a lot of that. Yep. And, you know, my favorite memory of Killer Instinct was uh, one of the first, maybe it was like the second year going to CES trade show uh, in Vegas and going to the Caesars Palace Arcade, which is a really nice arcade. And it was in there and it was the first time I'd ever seen it. And uh, Ken Lobb from Nintendo was just sitting on a stool with a bucket of tokens and he was taking (laughs) on any, any fool that walked up to play him. And so I waited in line to go play Ken Lobb and he just handed my ass to me, but it was the, it was so awesome. And it was such a cool looking game. So you to see him in the video. He was in the, uh, he was in the, uh, Tetris video, I think. Yeah. Uh, you see him in there. Yep. Oh man. I'm so excited to play some more of that. Uh, that's a great game. That should be how, again, how is that not on Nintendo? Not to be yeah. on Nintendo <laughs> switch, uh, though we got some Tetris. All right. Well, uh, we're coming up on an hour and a half and, uh, my brain is running out of gas. So it's probably a good time yep. to, to, to pause and you got work to do. So I'm going to, I'm going to let you, um, head out. But, uh, before we, we wrap up, um, you know, a couple things I, I'm going to, you know, might bite off a little bit here, but, uh, the, the goal with the show over the next coming weeks is I've set, sent out some feelers for potentially, I really want to do a Halo three episode. I think getting oh, yeah. the, uh, getting that trailer and it looking very nostalgic for Halo and just again, the, the music. And I started, Again, I, when I when we talk about hype, we should have talked about just how hype the the launch of Halo Three was. I just like even The Last of Us Two should have been a huge like launch event in a perfect world of like a you know a movie yep. release proportion, but it's just it can't happen today. Um, but when Halo Three was coming out, and I got to work GameStop for that launch, we'll save those stories for for that episode. But um, I'm curious how that holds up today, and uh, I really want to replay it, and I just remember it being, it, it lived up to the hype uh, in, in a lot of ways. So is that uh, Phil Summers? Uh, if you guys have, haven't checked out his hand-drawn guide to The Legend of Zelda or Ninja Gaiden in the past. Um, Beautiful. We're going to talk all about old. Yeah, it's 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 really again. I, I think people are like pissed that there weren't a thousand copies available. But the <laughs> poor guys got to like mail these out individually and, and, and yeah. make sure that they're of of the quality that you would expect. So he is he is working hard to get that stuff done, and um, you know, 
patience is, is a really good thing, especially today. Um, but we're going to be just talking about, uh, not just video game manuals of like the eighties and nineties where like first games used to come with manuals, but also they used to be like incredibly detailed and in full color. And you would also like, there were some games where you'd literally get a guide with the game, um, which, which I think is really interesting. So I, w- I want to look back on some of that stuff, uh, especially a lot of, um, interesting things to look back on are the guides that Nintendo used to put out like Nintendo power where they just do like all this new art for it and stuff that was really impressive. And also in Japan, um, going out there and just seeing like they would have these third party guides that people would also do lots of hand drawn stuff, which I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if Phil got some of his inspiration for that. Uh, but we're going to do that. And, uh, there's some other smaller things in there, but, um, again, the, the full game episodes are always a challenge because they take a lot of time to put together. Um, I am looking at, we didn't talk about AliExpress, but, um, I am looking at copies of completely legit copies of final fantasy (laughs) five for the game boy advance. Uh, and also a completely legit copy of, uh, the legend of Zelda Minish cap, uh, which I would love to, to hit on both those games for, um, the Game Boy Advance, which and again, we didn't talk about AliExpress. And again, it's uh, an interesting area to talk about, but um, obviously bootleg copies of those games. But I, I would love if Square Enix would like to sell me a copy of Final Fantasy V on a current platform <laughs> that is not completely redrawn and looks like garbage like the iPhone version. Uh, same thing with the Minish Cap. If Nintendo would like to, I would pay you money for more of your classic games again on the Nintendo <laughs> Switch instead of just giving me like 20 games and then giving me... It's nice, you know, some good, interesting games that come out on their virtual console and Switch for basically free, uh, but I would love more of that so I didn't have to... I don't even want to hook up my NES Classic. Don't want to do it. Just let me play it on yeah. this thing. Just let me do it all on the one console. Again, that's why I think Microsoft's getting a lot of my money. But um, <laughs> we're trying to trying to like figure out ways where... I can I can do at least like one of these a month for you guys because I think we we all can I, I enjoy doing these and I've had a blast hanging out with with Mike today and, and talking about this stuff. Um, but with that being said, uh, again, I appreciate the audience for your patience and if you did not know this was coming out and you just got a notification on your phone there's a new episode, that's awesome too. Um, so, Mike, what do you guys? I mean, I'm sure you guys are still you know head down working all, uh, hard on a lot of stuff right now. But um, I don't know if there's even anything that people can keep an eye out for. But obviously, you know, half off right now if you want to get that SNK 40th anniversary collection, uh, worth it. Even if you just want to play Crystallis, get yep. it. Um, that that would be a great game to cover too. Just a great what a what a underrated game. I know a lot of people yeah. talk about it now, but I obviously did not get its uh, recognition back in the day. Um, but what else are you guys working on? What should we keep an eye out for? If you well, obviously, talk about it? you know, Samurai Showdown Collection is out now. It's on every platform. So go out there if you're interested in this. Um, you'll get an idea of the kind of things we have in the pipe right now. Uh, Digital Clips, we've been, we've been kind of a company that's worked on two or three things at a time. We, we're now in a situation where we're doubling that output. And um, and we're also going deeper and farther with everything we're doing. So we're, we're trying to create, with everything we do, basically like the definitive versions of these games. And every shortcoming we've had up to this point, wherever, like little nuanced things that people always, we listen to all of that. Yeah. And I think the next round of things that people are going to see are going to do some really fun things with online and uh, with how we remaster some of these games. And in some situations, we're, we're moving towards the, the idea of actually giving them uh, a spiritual sequel included with these things. Based off of 
you know, working with the original teams, yeah, and stuff like that. So our goal is to not only get you reacquainted with these these older games and uh, like say a series, but also just like with Samurai Showdown, um, oh, even if the, even if there's not a game that existed before, we want to try to work with the original team members to make a new one and that sort of thing. So, and our thesis here is just like, all right, like how do you take this franchise into the future without being, you know, like we don't just necessarily take it to a triple A realm necessarily but like right. what would their what would a sequel have looked like for them had they done it naturally as the next game and oh like what, what some unfulfilled yes. promises and that sort of stuff so yes. if we can bring those kind of games to these these sorts of things too in, in the spirit of like education and and um you know like learning where it's like oh why why is it hard like why were ports of a certain game so bad well let's port it to a modern console and add the things that you wanted to do and let's see what happens and maybe it fails, maybe it's great. Like it's just all part of the experimentation we want to put in there. It's part of the learning of like what makes these games so special. This, I love this idea. Um, and, and I think, and, and I'm such a, I'm such a, I'm, I'm such a weird dude in a butthead. Um, but my, my best example is that, like I, you know, there's there's all these great developers that are trying to make games in the kind of tone and uh in, in kind of homage to games of the past and they're always like they're they're pretty good but i'm always like man i just why i wish the developers would make like the spiritual sequel to that game instead um and if you guys are doing that uh i'm just gonna i'm gonna just give you a picture of my credit card <laughs> and uh, you can just charge me whatever you need to do for that because that sounds like that hasn't been done before. Like I, I can't even think of a case where like that's really been done. I mean, I know there's been some developers that have like gone off and like, you know, made a spiritual successful, like Castlevania symphony in the night and stuff like that. But this seems like if, if you get to like, that's the other thing is like, if you get to stay in that franchise with those original developers and like say, Hey, here's a budget. What would you do? Let's go do it. That's insane. I love it. Yeah, I think I think the approach that we want to take, and I think this is where it, it, it might actually work, is we really want to celebrate their work, and we want them to be involved wherever level they're comfortable with. Like in some cases, some some of these guys don't want to touch code anymore, or whatever. But like, sure. one thing that we've learned is that they there's a lot of unfinished business for them, and so even if they're they can consult and be part of it or be part of the team if they want to and all these things it's like we just want to see we, we want to prove out those things that they've been thinking about since they right. last touched that franchise and just and, and and deliver that for them almost like closure for them so as cool. well as like the what if scenario for the rest of us yeah and so we're we're talking to a, a number of groups about how we approach that and how we do it and make sure it's fair for everybody to come back cuz some of these people you know who work on these games they have baggage with let's say uh, like their previous employers sure. and all this sort yeah. of stuff and this is also a way to like let's clear the air. Let's try to figure out if we can clear the air with these things too. Yeah, I mean, again, like uh, we're talking like 20, 30 years now. Um, I yeah, mean, it's impossible. There's for people that who aren't there now. anymore. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that's that's also the other the other benefit. I mean, there's so again, it's uh, awesome. Get to work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, um, hey guys, everyone out there, I hope you're doing well. Um, you know, take care of yourselves. I know we got to be indoors. Get outside, get some fresh air, be safe, wear a face mask, please. Um, you know, there's there shouldn't even be a debate about that, but there if you're in the United States, yeah. apparently we have one. Um and you know, uh and, and don't send me an email if you don't think we should. 
Uh, also, you can save yourself that email because if it like it looks like that, I'm just going to delete it. I get a really good filtering on my email. Um, yeah, don't, and, don't waste your afternoon on that. <laughs> no, like go, like instead do something like for yourself or do something for a friend or a family member. Like, you know, I, I know everyone right now is, you know, a little bit more fragile than usual. So, yeah. um, you know, take take a deep breath and, and maybe um, you have my uh, go ahead. If you want to buy an NBA Jam cabinet uh, for yourself and for your best friend, do it um, and surprise your best friend with an NBA Jam cabinet uh, in their their house. Uh, that would be that'd be really cool. But I, I think that's one of the great things about video games right now. Is I know things like Netflix. There's like uh, there's there's plugins where you can watch Netflix with friends and stuff like that. But um, I think it's just so cool right now where you can kind of go co op with a friend through a game yeah. or, 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 you know, play some competitive stuff still. Um, I just think it's a, it's a great time to, to do that stuff and to, uh, you know, again, stay connected with each other. Uh, yeah. keep, keep, keep the conversations going and don't just, uh, stay secluded. I, I can do that, uh, a little bit, but, um, try, try not to do it. Okay, guys. All right. Yeah. Um, Mike, thank you so much for, for your time uh, this morning and this afternoon. And um, we'll definitely make sure to reconnect uh, before a year from now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And this is so fun. I love doing these. And I love uh, hearing from people who watch or listen to the show. And um, I'm, I'm anxious to see what people think about some of the stuff we talked about today. And usually there's always a residual effect that happens like the week after where it's like, oh, there's all these great questions that come over. Feel free to carry on the conversation beyond this on Twitter or wherever else you can find us. Um, online. Yeah, where can people follow you on on Twitter if they want to hit you up? Uh, Mike J. Micah at Twitter. Uh, so at Mike J. Micah. And uh, feel free, I'm an open book on there and I love talking to people who want to talk about old games and stuff we're working on. So that'll be fun. Awesome. Yeah, no, we, uh, and again, we'll, we'll do some follow-up and we'll have to, I might have to, to force you to come back on just to talk about some, some a, a game-specific thing. We got to I know it's fun hanging out, having these chats. It's supposed to be the warm up for the next episode, <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna try to do that and try to have uh, that momentum going. But um, you know, again, I have I'm looking at a, a document in notes right now that has a ton of games on it. Um, and uh, oh, also Metroid Prime. As soon as Nintendo oh, yeah. releases that on this, I just don't want to have to like buy a, a Wii again. I just don't want to do it. Yeah. If you can just give me the Metroid Prime collection. Tell me next week that Prime Force delayed for a year. No problem. Port that thing to <laughs> Switch and allow me and and Mohammed to to have an episode on Metroid Prime. Like we're ready to do it. He's planned it on you know Twitter. He's posting screenshots. It looks great. I love the soundtrack. I never finished it. I would love to be able to do that and have the motivation to do it. So we'll figure yeah. that out. And um, then of course for that PC Engine mini, or, oh, I, we need to do like a Blazing Lasers and that whole series yeah. of. of um, vertical shooters i just love that whole uh superstar soldier all that stuff so good um anyways uh thanks everyone for listening uh, i'm gonna keep rambling because i'm tired <laughs> so i'm gonna stop i'm gonna hit uh stop on this right now and um here's some old video game music to make you happy uh get out there and uh do your best to enjoy the time you're having right now take care guys